Hello everybody, this is Emperor Nuro and his apocryphal marketing tales. Mind the road, mind your coffee, and let's get it on! Do you not reckon, honorable gentlemen, that unless we take decisive action, we're all gonna end up in the red? How long can we condone these privileged simpletons and plebs enjoying almost endless light? Electricity ought to come at a cost. Well noted, sir. We ought to take decisive action. Otherwise, they'll be driving and living happy lives, whilst the future of money is bound to be as good as done. Settle then. Deal. Ha, 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 ha. It's probably along these lines that a murky conversation on a chilly December afternoon of 1924 transpired. The secret of a tent is represented world's leading electricity companies and manufacturers of lighting fixtures. The bigwigs were scheming, plotting, and colluding to whittle down the useful life of a light bulb so that people had to buy more often and pay more while they were cashing in on the artificially engineered problem. This episode will examine how we'd come to this miserably low point, how this strategy is playing out these days, and why we seem to be sheepishly and powerlessly buying into the global scam. Stay tuned for the ignominy of planned and perceived obsolescence. Over the centuries, scientists, engineers, and innovators had been of a particular mindset. They sought to leverage the power of intellect, critical inquiry, observation, and serendipity to improve the quality of people's lives by adding some perks to them and, importantly, sparing them the chores that would have otherwise taken out the better part of these lives to struggle through. Recently, however, we're told that there's scientific consensus on this and on that, no, there isn't. The most disruptive discoveries of all time challenged the common wisdom, went against the grain, and were often initially frowned upon by fellow scientists, let alone those without proper credentials. The most illustrious scientists were often loners, outsiders, and a pain in many bunghole. The word consensus doesn't belong in a lab. It belongs in a boardroom. And that's where this jargon comes from to infiltrate the scientific milieu whenever wily politicians and big corporate interests join the fray. There hasn't been consensus on vaccines, nor has there been one on global warming. When we hear this oddly inappropriate word bandied around, it typically means that whoever expressed the slightest shred of doubt dared to disagree and showed the quixotic integrity to spurn filthy corporate money was excluded from the vote, shut up, and cancelled. And that's the kind of sinister crap whose origins can be traced roughly to the 20th century. Medical researchers could hardly resist the pecuniary lure of big food and big pharma. So much so that much to our disgrace as a species, well into the 21st century, preventive medicine, which in a better world would be the principal avenue of medical science, is still an odd concept to many avid drug distributor automatons and scrubs called physicians. While nutrition studies and lifestyle medicine are still largely the realm of charlatans, motivators, and self-avowed, 
gurus. An answer to any problem, however ill-diagnosed, seems to be a costly pill. And not something that could actually tackle the cause and not the consequences. The sugar lobby was instrumental and highly efficient, I must admit, in chalking up all the cardiovascular woes and a spate in morbid obesity to cholesterol alone. That really baton of vilifying cholesterol while skipping over the issue of processed foods and excess sugar was cheerfully handed over to statin producers that made sure to assume control of the research and sterilize critical thinking in both experimenters and healthcare practitioners. Don't be fooled by the sight of a glib, bespectacled boffin with unkempt hair flaunting a fun pattern tie Big Pharma and Big Food got themselves covered with pretty compelling shills and frontmen. And even if a doctor or a scientist isn't a cheat and a corporate sellout, which is still often the case, they as humans are prone to the same cognitive biases and fall for the traps of their less scrupulous but more assertive colleagues. Don't take anything on faith. Pull up the research and head over to the section that cites the sponsors behind it. That's where things often get sticky. Also, peruse the study setup, sampling, and methods. For instance, when interested in the objective study of severe vaccine side effects, comparing vaccinated individuals who developed this or that side effect against those who didn't appears to be far less relevant than comparing those who experienced those adverse events against the health status of the unvaccinated individuals. This kind of slyness was rife, for example, when it came to assessing the effects and efficiency of Pfizer and Moderna mRNA shots. Make no mistake, this industry bankrolls the academia and lab research, and they're powerful enough to challenge. They aren't interested in your health and well-being. Only you are. So be mindful, skeptical, and on the alert. Remember the conclusion of the previous episode? You always have a choice. Now, you may wonder, what in thunder does this have to do with planned obsolescence? The connection is quite straightforward, actually. You gotta realize that science has long swerved off the dignified road of its mighty predecessors, and a lot of those who brazenly self-identify as scientists by brandishing their PhDs and citation index have long aligned themselves with big money rather than big use, big truth, and the big good. The same goes for big tech. Having a sneaky entrepreneurial streak and valuing net worth over social benefits and common good are now almost a prerequisite, if not a must, for you to venture into the world of innovation and invention. Planned obsolescence has to be baked into everything you do. No, even everything you conceive of. Some of those driving Teslas these days would laugh off Nikola Tesla as a pathetic loser and a financial write-off. Leonardo da Vinci? Same. I recently heard a popular YouTuber say that Mona Lisa was painted by Leo DiCaprio. But that affluent social media ignoramus wasn't way off the mark, was he? 
The world of today has been created in the dazzling villas of Beverly Hills and on the luxury properties of upstate New York. Let me hazard an assumption. Had any other species in the world been endowed with a brain we have, they would have certainly gone far beyond deception, blissful ignorance, no platforming, and posting flags to Facebook page statuses without ever bothering to get to the bottom of the event they're referring to. But planned obsolescence endorsers must also be opinionated dudes. Subscribing to the set of opinions that's commonly approved and helps you snag more media appearances. To be clear, I don't want to see scientists weighing in on woke issues on primetime television, indoctrinating the world in something they aren't qualified to judge, and waxing philosophical on the pressing matters of the day. But hey, I'm not too stupid to think that's just philosophy. No, more often than not, it's scoring points with corporations by signaling them you're just the safe kind of bat to make when pondering that next tender or contract. Just as I'm uninterested in NFL quarterbacks or NBA shooting guards to lecture me on various isms and phobias, I want them to play the way that's worth a watch. But sponsorships and corporations have gotten us by the balls, haven't they? RFK Jr. talking about corporations running the government and about stopping the war and condemning censorship is almost unanimously decried by once-respectable legacy media as a crackpot and a fringe aspirant. But we aren't the innocent bystanders. We've all been enabling this all along, thinking it's no biggie. Well, guess what? It is. At this point, you may go, I have no part in it. The Phoebus cartel convened and colluded in 1924 without asking me or anybody else on the customer side of the fence for that matter. After that, other corporations from other fields of industry followed suit. They never canvassed the consumers. It would be ridiculous if they did, kind of defeating the purpose of their ignominious little gig. I mean, it's called a scam for a reason, right? Worse still, for the purpose of this podcast, I take planned obsolescence to mean something broader than its original, literal sense, a shorter useful life of your device or vehicle, or a limited durability of your dress, denim trucker jacket, or a pair of high-end sneakers. My broader interpretation includes the ever-diminishing range of features and capabilities your money can buy you, the ever-dwindling bang for your buck. In the mid-2000s, I remember popping into an electronics store. What I was looking for was a laptop that could serve me for at least four years without constipating or otherwise hamstringing the efficiency of my studies. In the middle of an all-nighter, cramming for that next exam, the last thing I wanted would be to wait for my doctor to unfreeze or have to reboot the damn PC once every two hours or for my video to suddenly go dead mid-sentence. Full disclosure, I'm not being paid for this. But I want to be honest with you, I was debating between the Asus and Acer brands. Seven years later, I was choosing a voice recorder with excellent noise cancellation and a powerful mic. I went for Panasonic. It was a trusted associate of mine for three years before it was mugged. Well, in one of his novels, Nabokov said that theft is the best compliment a product can be paid. I hope so. 
Having to upgrade your laptop or your voice recorder or headphones every year was unthinkable. It would mean the brand totally sucked. And going forward the next year would be the dumbest move conceivable. Just like with the handbags, suitcases, familial jewelry, or watches. The older, the more stored their provenance, the more valuable and important they are, right? <laughs> Fast forward to 2023 and take a closer look at purchasing behaviors. See the difference? Brand execs are hard at work convincing you their newest arrival features all the best specs you could dream of. And yet, next year, they're dropping another one or a whole lineup of new products and telling you, without even blinking, that that previous guy was a disaster compared with these new beauties. The corporate fraudsters don't even rely much on guerrilla marketing shticks, astroturfing, viral marketing, virtue signaling, linguistic puns, and all the rest of the tactics we've amply discussed in our previous episodes, which they heavily engage in, too. But they're scamming you just like this, looking you straight in the eye, without much of sleight of hand. Trashing their last year's product, you may have pawned your grandma's 1936 golden earrings or taken out a cumbersome loan to be able to afford, all the while using the cheapest superlatives to promote their freshest shit. Unlike last year's lemons, this year's is veritable perfection, no cap. As if that wasn't humiliating enough, they add insult to injury by actually detracting from the stuff you buy while charging you ever-growing amounts of cash. First, you stop seeing wired ear pods. The following year, the swindlers took out a charging brick, ostensibly to slim down the packaging out of environmental concerns. <laughs> Thank goodness they invoked environment and not Saturn in retrograde. The worst part of it is it works. They treat people as one-track-minded idiots that could be fed the cheapest gibberish, and they'll swallow it hook, line, and sinker and go for your overpriced shit regardless. Next year, rinse, repeat. Another case in point, Telegram, a wildly popular social media platform, unveiled premium features. At first, those looked trivial and not really worthy of subscribing, but then... One day, I recorded several audio messages to a pal of mine, and as I listened to the recordings, I noticed something had obviously gone sideways. It was like I was being tortured and someone pushed my head into a toilet bowl and flushed it. Then, for whatever recondite reason, amid the purple of water, I began speaking right into the whirlpool. That's the best way I can think of to describe the garbled and totally messed up audio I heard. I checked my Sony earbuds, yeah, I'm not using AirPods, and was about to chuck them out when I recorded another audio on a different app, and that one sounded impeccable. Minutes later, my interlocutor broke it to me that Telegram had deliberately downgraded the quality of the sound to coerce its users into signing up for a paid premium subscription. Just like with iPhones, you quickly realize you're running out of storage for your photos, videos, notes, text exchanges, things that are memorable and meaningful to you, unless you cave in to the blackmailers and purchase that extra cloud storage. 
Basically, you shell out a king's ransom to buy something that won't even work without a slew of extra purchases, upgrades, accessories, or what have you. It's the definition of a good old scam. And these aren't your typical con artists from a subway underpass. These are corporations that purportedly have a reputation to live up to. But you keep buying nonetheless. Unfair, but square. It brings us to an earlier point. Sure, there's no way you can upvote the likes of Steve Wozniak, who says, here are six ports and a ton of great features for the users, and downvote the likes of Steve Jobs, who says, are you nuts? Hold your horses, we can spread out over the next 10 years while making them buy a ton of extra jacks, dongles, and doodads in the process. Not just that, it's the Steve Jobses on this world that ultimately win and fire the Steve Wozniaks. True, they occasionally succumb to weaknesses of the hoi polloi they defraud. But even in their deaths, they're extolled and canonized as the greatest people to have walked the earth. Really? See, you may have thought that Steve Jobs was the greatest engineer, God's gift to design, a black belt marketer, and a cool dude altogether. Guess what? He was none of those. All the good stuff they've ever come up with was someone else's thinking that was so generously misattributed to Steve Jobs. If anything, it was a good visionary, whatever it means. He was thinking hard day and night, but not about ways to make you happy, rather about ways to get you hooked and addicted and have you spend more and more on less and less. There's an old and politically incorrect joke, so if you're hypersensitive, take out your earbuds or plug your ears for this gag. A cynical entrepreneur squints at the side of a cross and goes, What a waste! You can fashion two gallows out of one cross. Unplug! Turn back in. The supply is shaped by the demand. So you do have a say. Look at your phone. Don't check your feed, for goodness sake. Just take a long, cold look. Take a moment to appreciate it. 400 years ago, you would have been burned at the stake for having one. 200 years ago, Faraday would have developed an inferiority complex, merely glimpsing at your phone. Today, there are still tribes and peoples that haven't been reached by the corporations and are only valued for resources and cat poor. With them, you'd be mistaken for a divine creature or spirit as soon as you whipped out one of your pen pocket. Now tell me, do you need the latest one that'll be rolled out in September? Is that brand new pair of Nike kicks really worth your money or the hard work that goes into earning it? As a special insult, the upscale sneakers now come pre-distressed. What about the naturally distressed ones? In the knots, we used to look at a pair of particularly ratty, dirty, and ragged Converse low tops and go, wow, oh my gosh. Today, your own worn-out pair somehow doesn't cut it. Let Balenciaga or Gucci do the job for you and strip you of a couple grand for that sloppily soon substandard fabric sneakers. Keep paying for those apps and storage and shit like you owe them your very existence. Or... 
Just think twice, or thrice, or however many times you need to. Our brain hasn't been wired to do the rational stuff quickly and effectively. We're liable to snap decisions and impulsive buys. We easily fall for marketing baits. They want you to feel insecure and inferior even for not owning the latest and largest phone there is on the market, for driving around in a 17-year-old beater, for wearing your frayed shoes and flaunting your faded bags, for not using their speaker because it's a must-have, the internet says so. But are you really that dissatisfied with your life and your image? Are you really inferior and insecure because of that? Although scores of YouTubers and TikTokers are rocking brand new crap because they're paid to. They often wear their phones without a cover, just like in the Apple TV shows and movies. They think we are that dumb and that gullible. And going by the stats, they aren't that far from the truth, lumping or like it. Ouch. But they are in no position to tell you what's good for you, what defines you as a person, what's aesthetically pleasant and what's ugly. They aren't forward-thinking and fashion-forward. They've conjured up these epithets to make them sound highbrow and compelling. They're not. They're money band. That's it. And they cajole you into reaching into your piggy bank and giving away some more dough so that they can ostentate their carefree, show-off, luxury lives without a speck of individuality. Stand up to peer pressure, YouTube pressure, and marketing shenanigans that cozy up to you while essentially telling you you're a nobody if you don't own all that stuff and some. You don't need external validation. Follow your instincts. If you're listening to this, you already have pretty good ones. You're already special and will always be. Use the knowledge from this podcast not just to market your own products, which I'm sure are really solid and worthwhile, but to shield yourself from the intrusive and aggressive global corporate scam. They want us to believe that without them, we're abject mud. Even if so, we're likely, according to Kurt Vonnegut, sitting up mud to have realized that much about them. I'm still worried that the number of plays doesn't jibe with the number of subs. If you don't like it, well listen to it. But if you do, please make sure to follow me. This will help us all avoid the bugging ads from the corporations we've just badmouthed. And yes, check out Surge's music at times life-affirming, at times moody, but always matching the content. Let your brain have a snazzy week.